0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Business Growth Show, where we talk about all components of business and how to utilize them for exponential growth. My name is Ethan Cassiotis. I'm a sewer entrepreneur, international speaker, result strategist, business coach, mentor, and consultant. Today, I have an awesome guest. He's an entrepreneur and multiple business owner. He is the founder of Insight Tax and Accounting, as well as owning a gym named GSL Fitness. He's also the author of Profit First for micro gyms. He helps entrepreneurs obtain an actual work-life balance so they don't get burnt out and ensures they are financially resilient. Welcome, John Briggs, and thank you for being on my show. Thanks for having me, I'm excited. This is gonna be great. Sure is, it's gonna be awesome. I'm sure we're gonna provide heaps of value for everyone watching and listening today. So you're a very successful entrepreneur. So for those people who don't know who you are, please introduce yourself by telling us about you and your journey.
1: Yeah, so um, I I, probably, I would say my journey started uh, my freshman year in college where um, I thought I was going to play video games my whole life. I, uh, I was just a decade ahead. Apparently, you can make a lot of money doing that, but at the time, I couldn't. Um, and during that time period, I had a mentor in my life, and I said, look, you've gotten to know me. I don't know what to do with my life anymore. This video game thing wasn't working out. Um and he's like, "You know, what I know about you, you should probably go into law or business." And I thought, "Okay, great." It just so happened that both of those tracks took me through an accounting course. And uh that accounting course, it was the first time in my life where a topic really clicked for me. Um I I've always gotten good grades, but everything took a lot of effort. And this is just the first time it's like, "Oh my gosh, I I just don't know why I get it. I understand it. Um, The university that I was going to, BYU, is very conservative. And they basically teach you how to be a good employee. And so that was the path, right? You graduate, you become someone's employee. So I did that. And my first job out of college, I was working as a controller for a door-to-door sales company. Um, And that, a controller is just another word for head accountant, So as the head accountant, um, I have this job and the company did almost $30 million in revenue and also declared bankruptcy that same year. And I thought to myself when they declared bankruptcy, I'm like, uh, you know, I had no control over this. I did what I was supposed to do. I have my job. I was supposed to get job security and look at what happened. $30 million company out of business. Uh, And so I was out of a job and that kind of led me down a path of talking to my neighbor. He uh, had just started his accounting firm. And so um, he he's like, well, I'll I'll bring you on as an employee. And a couple of weeks into it, he said, you know, I think it just makes more sense for you to be an owner. I'm like, yeah, of course it makes sense. (laughs) That sounds great. Uh, He gave me a whopping two and a half percent, but that was the start of my journey, my entrepreneurial journey. Um, because that chain, that shift alone helped me see that the best job security in my mind is to wake up every day unemployed and take control. And so um, because I was waking up every day as a supposedly job security, right? And now this company was gone. It's just gone. Like, that sucks. Like I had in, no fault of my own did this company go under, you know? Uh, and so that was a fun experience, family owned business. I learned what I needed to learn, but frustrations there uh, because it's family owned and um, went off on my own. And then kind of from there between the path of uh, getting my CPA ended up founding insight tax uh, almost 10 years ago. And uh, I remember my first little office, I, I negotiated some rent, like, look, do you have any offices? You don't have any windows I'll pay like, I can only pay this much. Is there any way I could get this business location? Um, I got it, terrible location, no sunlight for like two years. Uh, I'm allergic to the sun anyway, so that doesn't bother me. Um, but I just remember being in that 10 by 14 office. And uh, now we we are, we are closed on a commercial building here. Um, we'll be moving into about 6,000 square feet space. I bought 30 team members. Um, and certainly along the way, there's been a lot of growing pains what the, what the first hire looked like the fear there. And then once you have that, now the responsibility you fee, you feel to support them because they are taking a chance on you and then how you just grow and like, okay, what's the next position we need to add? Where do we, where are we sucking? Why are clients leaving? How do we get feedback from them? And, and as we, we grew and again, we're, we're a lot further along than we were, Uh, we figured out those past mistakes, but at each new level, there's a new devil and we just got to figure it out. And, um, that's kind of where we're at. I, it's so exciting in in the path of all this. Um, I ended up, uh, feeling like the gym I was going to was going to go under. We happen to specialize. We, we have a lot of gym clients. Uh, We're the largest accounting firm for gym owners in the U S. And, um, so I saw the writing on the wall he's like, yeah, I've actually tried to sell it a couple of times. I came in as a partner um, for that business. And then during this time, I also wrote the book of a concept. We teach gym owners about managing cash, which applies to all business owners. Um, And that's how I kind of became an author as well. But yeah, that's kind of my (laughs) journey in a really tight nutshell.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Amazing journey. And, you know, really interesting because um, like you said, a lot of people go into a job to get security, but it's interesting that, you know, you went into a job and then within a short period of time, you didn't have the security, right? So um, you sort of defunct that thing very quickly and you're like, okay, well, how do I actually get security and, and take it into your own hands basically, right? With, with yeah. creating a business and... Obviously, there's a lot of responsibility. A lot of things you need to know, um, and and obviously your your CPA, you know, accounting degree, one of the best ones there was, um, is a big thing of of knowing your numbers. So um, that would definitely put you in good stead because, um, you know, I, I normally say like the two most important people in a business is your accountant and your lawyer most of the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's uh you know awesome that you have that background because that'll definitely I think most of the CEOs in the world. Uh, have an accounting background, at, you know, in a general sense. If you look at the majority percentage, like of all different backgrounds, so um, because yeah, knowing your numbers is important. So obviously, you've you, you've achieved a lot. You've had some growing pains, and awesome to hear, you know, what you've done over these ten years. So that that's that's amazing, right? Now let, let's go back a little bit from the start, right? So obviously, um, building our our business structure foundation, right, um, is important at the start because that you know. Gives us a spring, you know, to to grow from. And so can you maybe give us some tips or some options on what type of structures we can use to, you know, reduce risk, to give us a good foundation and potentially save thousands in taxes and things like that for us?
1: Yeah. So um in the US, there's a crap load of entities, right? And they all uh, have different rules with them. And then you add complication on top of it that the IRS has to be involved because entities have to be taxed. And when I'm referring to entity, we're just talking about the legal business structure. So it's like a limited liability company, an LLC, a partnership, a corporation, Uh, you could be a sole proprietor. Those are, there's options for everybody. But the truth is if you select the wrong, structure, you're going to overpay in self-employment tax, just based on how the tax rules work. So we recommend for a business owner who has, um, the IRS calls it ordinary income. So there's passive income, there's ordinary income. Uh, Most people who sell a service or they sell a physical product, those are going to be considered ordinary income. Passive income is going to be like rental. If I own a rental property and I get income off of that. So I'm talking about you have a trader business, you sell a service, you sell a product. Um, You're going to want to consider having an S corporation in your structure because it's the only entity that really, and I don't want to say only because there's always exceptions to exceptions. It's why the U S tax code is 76,000 pages. Um, But In most cases, it's the best entity to reduce that self-employment tax burden because you have income tax, which everybody pays, but then if you're the business owner, they also like to tack on this extra self-employment tax. That's the part that if you have the right business choice, you can actually reduce how much you pay. Sole proprietors, they have to pay the max amount. Active members in partnerships, they pay the max amount in self-employment tax. S-corps don't have that tied to it. And so we really recommend having that in your structure. Um, Now, it can get confusing though, because an S-corporation is only a tax status. So you can't create, you can't go to like your state government and say, I would like an S corporation Um, that doesn't exist to them. You could set up a corporation or you could set up a limited liability company because those are state government, like the legal world. And then the IRS says, well, uh, we don't, we don't recognize LLCs. They don't exist to us. So you have to tax it like something that we're familiar with. And that's where potentially this S corp status comes into play. Um, So it can be confusing because we have clients So just so you know, if you set up an LLC, you could be taxed as an S-Corp. That's a very common structure, LLC taxed as an S-Corp. But I would recommend paying an attorney to get that set up. You want to set up the right way, get all the legal documents in place the way you're supposed to. And then the s election becomes very easy to do with the IRS. It's a very simple process, which again, your attorney can walk you through or your accountant can walk you through. It's very simple, but- Again, if you sell a service or you make a product, you want an S corporation in your tax structure because it is going to minimize that self employment tax burden.
0: Yeah. Awesome points there. Thanks for sharing. And um, it just reiterated the point I said about your accountant and your lawyer being the two top people there. And you're mentioning attorney (laughs) and obviously you being the accountants and and it shows the power of someone like yourself, right? With this knowledge, it's like, you know, most people just don't know this, right? Um, And and setting that up from the start is really powerful. And, um, you know, leverage your knowledge to set them up. Um, Because I'm in Australia here, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask the international question now, just because it's popping up. Um, have you ever, it's okay if you haven't, I'm just going to put it out there. Have you ever worked with any in companies outside of the US? And are there ways of including it in that? Or uh, there might be some obviously more paperwork or things like that? Or what, what are your thoughts around that with,
1: with people outside? So um, we don't know any international tax laws. Uh, we have international clients who own US-based businesses. Um, and what I just said would apply to them. Um, I do have some, I have enough exposure to Canada, for example, to know that they have a very interesting tax. That's got, that has goes off of their gross revenue a lot um, as opposed to the way we kind of do it in the US. But as far as Australian rules, I have no idea. Um, but the, some of the cash flow stuff that we're going to get into definitely will apply to all businesses. It doesn't matter what country you're in, how the tax rates work there. The cash flow stuff uh, is we definitely have clients that are national that we do the cash flow consulting with.
0: Okay, cool. So if I wanted to, like you're saying international clients, create a business in the US, um, like that because if we're selling products or services or whatever it is like that, that would be relatively easy to do through yourself. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Now that's good to know. So, you know, because we've got listeners, there's people, you know, from over a hundred countries and stuff that that listen to nice. this right? So, you know, you obviously there's a massive amount of population in the US that you can help. Um, but you know, if there's some people outside of that that go, you know what, I want to have an entity that gives me better value, um, you know, in there, then they can obviously speak to you as well. So I just wanted to highlight that. Yeah.
1: And I'm willing to bet every country is similar to the US where um, really what the governments are trying to do is impose a behavior and they either reward you with tax savings or they penalize you with additional tax based on what they want you to do or don't want you to do. And so that's why it's really important to talk to an accountant familiar with wherever you're located so that they can lay out for you the different variations because um, I'm, maybe there is, but I, I'm not sure very many countries that just have like, hey, it's a simple tax, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that, it, maybe it does in some countries, but I just, I kind of doubt it.
0: Yeah, no, we've got a lot of different structures and yeah, definitely accountants uh, are your best (laughs) friend um, at the start of your business and throughout your business. So I'm sure, you know, that's why you've got the most gyms in the US and you're helping, you know, huge amounts of clients in what you do. I'm sure you're all all great at that. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, numbers and that. So when when business owners, you know, need to know their finances, not everyone is necessarily um, good with numbers at the start. What do you find as, um, I guess, some of their greatest challenges or the greatest challenge in that with, um, yeah, helping them out with their finances?
1: Um, Yeah, the greatest challenge, look, business owners have a passion for whatever it is they started their business for, which usually isn't the accounting side of things, right? Um, I mean, I would say the majority of our clients, they just, especially when they first meet us, they abhor the idea of looking at their numbers, like, what does that even mean? And, oh my gosh, I'd rather, you know, bang my face against a brick wall. Like, okay, great. That's good. Um, and so, because of that, if anything else comes up on their schedule, even things that they don't really love, but because it sounds better than looking at their numbers, they're going to choose to do that thing over taking the responsibility and, and uh, looking at the numbers. So, The greatest challenge we see is just getting over that hump of like just not wanting to do it. Uh, Look, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but if you're a business owner, it is your responsibility. And if you have team, it's your obligation to your team to understand your financial numbers. That doesn't mean you can't pay an accountant to help you, but there is a level of understanding that you are always going to have to have. A lot of times we see clients abdicate their responsibility because they say, I hired an accountant. They, like it's all getting taken care of. Well, the accountant can only do so much, right? The financial reports give us a historical record, but like, are you sitting down to look at them so that you can forecast what it looks like? Um, Cause until you're ready to do that, you're hindering your growth. I'm not saying you can't grow. I'm just saying it's hindered. It, whatever your, whatever level of success you have now, if you understand your numbers more than what you do now, your success will increase. And so I think the biggest challenge is them getting over that hump of uh, either like, I just don't, I don't think I can understand this. Uh, I don't want to understand it. It seems too complicated. I, I, I promise it's not complicated. It is math. And usually when we sit down with a client and over a couple meetings our clients really start to get comfortable with it because it's not rocket science i'm sure what you're doing to service your clients is way more complicated it's just right now it's unknown to most business owners that's why they don't want to look at it um so take i just you got to take the time to get over that because once you do see the numbers you're going to start getting excited about the possible stuff that you're forecasting
0: yeah yeah I love that. So powerful and um, so true. And like, I know you've done a CPA, right. Which is the biggest accounting like top degree that you can get. And like, I've done an MBA and I've done some accounting subjects and things. So I, because of that, have a good level of understanding better than most right now at the same time, like that's very deep, but you don't need to go that deep necessarily to know your numbers. And this is where like yourself, John, you know, I know that you'll be able to like simply package saying, Hey, these are the key things you need to look at in your, Profit and loss income statement report in your balance sheet in your cash flow statement. You know the the, the main reports right in your business. Um, and that way, you know you give people um, the awareness and some confidence. Going okay, I can run this report now in my online accounting system. You know whatever that is, and um, you know make decisions from that. Right, and and that it becomes. You know, very powerful. Um, you know, when you can do that, like you were saying. So, um, I really love that um, those areas there that you're you were touching on. So, if um, we're now, like you know, people you were talking about cash flow and everything, right? So, and forecasting, um, which is massive documents here now. So, um, let let let's. Um, Let's jump into cash flow first. Um, so, um, you know, obviously cash flow is important, right? To have in a business so that you can pay everyone, right?
1: Very important. <laughs> yes.
0: If you've got no cash, then uh, yes, you probably don't have a business. Um, so, <laughs> can you talk about, like, you know, how to manage our cash flow when it's important to have
1: that and everything like that in our business? Yeah. And let me start with, kind of the generic way where most business owners are sitting and explain why that's the problem first. So if we go back to that company I was talking about first job out of college, head control, head accountant, controller position. Um, we had just finished our end of year celebration where we handed out these bonus checks to sales reps for a job. Well done. I'm more mean, talking $10,0, 20, $30,000 checks. And the Monday after that weekend, the president of the company comes running into the office. And he's like, dude, you better lock the doors. Don't let anybody know that you're here. And look, if you haven't guessed, being an accountant is normally a pretty dull job compared to what most business owners would say. Um, and so it felt like the president was being a, a bit overdramatic when he's like, lock the doors, hide. I'm like, Ser- What? seriously, what gives? What's going on? It's like, well... So all those checks we wrote out, the owner had been trying to get a business loan and he didn't end up getting it. He was trying to get a million dollar loan to cover these bonus checks that we sent out. Because remember, I I told you, the company did 30 million in revenue. It's like, he didn't get the loan. So all those checks he wrote, they're bouncing. And all the sales reps are going to come in today asking you to write them a new check. And if you write them a new check, those checks are also going to bounce. Uh, So... What happened, like a $30 million company, and I can tell you the company eventually imploded because they just didn't ever want to manage their money. Their goal was, well, we can out earn our spending. That's how much does the cost? Great, we'll sell more than that cost. So we'll be fine. And after making that decision so many times, it put them in this scenario. What they fell victim to without even knowing it, and I didn't know it at the time, um, is called Parkinson's Law. Parkinson's law says that the demand for something expands to match its supply. So the demand for something expands to match its supply. What we're talking about is our money. So think about it right in that context, as business owners, generally we have one business bank account. That's a giant pile of supply. The demand for that cash will continue to expand as long as there's cash available to spend. And normally that's how as business owners we operate. Oh, I need to make a decision. How much money do I have in the bank account? Cool, I have enough, I'll spend it. Oh, wait, I owe payroll now. I wasn't thinking about that. Okay, so like those are problems we run into because we're just thinking about that pile of supply. The demand for our cash is going to continue to expand our expenses will continue to expand as long as we have cash available to spend. So with cash flow management what we want people to do is to put boundaries around that cash. Look, we're not going to change our human behavior of this parkinson's law. Like it's just it's ingrained in all of us as human beings. And so but we can protect ourselves against it. And in that case, we recommend, I mean, if you think about it, when a dollar comes into your business, it's some of it's already been promised to other things. If you have team members, you've promised to pay them. If you have a landlord, you promise to pay lease. If you're a citizen of your country, whether we promised to or not, we legally have to pay taxes, right? Like, a dollar comes in, it's not a dollar that's ours. So we're just saying, let's separate out those big obligations that we have into separate bank accounts so that now, after I've separated those things that I know I'm going to have to pay, um, I have a number left over and now I could run my business off of that. But with our cash flow management system, we take it a step further and say, well, too often, we find business owners burn themselves out. They're the ones willing to, um, as we say, fall on the sword, sacrifice themselves for the good of the company. I'll pay all my bills, I'll pay all my team, and hopefully I have some cash left over to pay myself to keep food on the table. Look, if you don't have food on your table, if you're not feeling motivated to show up, you're eventually gonna burn out. Like you have to feel like there's, you have something to show for your hard work. And that's where the system comes into play. Cause we're saying the main accounts that you should be having that you're se- setting aside money for is for your benefit as the owner. Um, so I can go over the, the f- accounts if you want me to go into that level yeah. of detail. If yeah. you want to just say the names,
0: yeah. That, that cool. will try to benefit everybody listening. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the first account we recommend is an income account. It's sole purpose is to receive deposits. It makes it really easy to then uh, kind of allocate the money into these separate buckets on a regular basis. Um, We recommend having an account for owner's pay. Look, we all love our team and they're very valuable, but the reality is, and we have to accept that as the business owner working in the business, we are the most important employee. And what do you do for your most important employee? You make sure they get paid. So that's what the owner's pay bucket is for. Let's set aside money first before you start spending money other places. Let's make sure you're taken care of. And there is a, you have to do it the right way. We have an analysis. There's a book called Profit First. You can find the table as far as like what's a healthy amount to pay based on what healthy companies do. Um, But that's what you should be living your life off of is the owner's pay amount. As an owner, you've also taken on risk that your other team members haven't taken on. That's the profit account. You should be getting, getting dividends from your company for the risk of ownership, which again is separate from you working in the business. So we recommend a profit account that you then distribute to yourself on a quarterly basis uh, as a just, hey, good reward because you're the owner, you deserve it. Uh, a tax account, there's income tax in your country or whatever the whatever it's called, VATS, whatever. Um, we think the business should bear the burden of paying that tax. We don't think you should have to take money out of your owner's pay amount to then save for taxes. So those first three, owners pay, profit and tax are all for the benefit of the owner because they all give the owner a pay raise. They're all covering things that give them value, right? Um, and then of course, the fifth one is operating expenses. That's the one you currently have. But if you follow the system and you put money into the other accounts first, now, instead of saying having $15,000 in one bank account, you have maybe 3, in one, 2,000 another, 2,000 another. And then your operating expense account is say 7,000. And you can now run your business off of 7,000 as opposed to thinking you have 15,000 when the reality has never changed, you still have. You are always going to have to pay taxes. You always need to pay yourself. Um, you should be rewarding yourself on a profit distribution scenario. And so now you force yourself to run your business off the lower money. And I can tell you, it works. Um, there's there's some time. There's a place to like. How fast can we cut back expenses without making our service suffer? So there's some strategy on how quickly you change some of those numbers but even if you start with one percent in some of those other buckets that you're not doing it it starts adding up and then you start getting momentum and you realize this works i'm basically paying myself first right we man in babylon principle it's like a classic book that most people recommend reading pay yourself first this system allows you to do that and it, it just works um it here in the u.s it saved a ton of clients Specifically, gym owners when COVID happened and the government forced them to not be open. Well, yeah, we lost a lot of members. Uh, but if you're running the profit-first system, you had the cash flow to help you wean through that period when you didn't have revenue. Uh, so the system works in any crisis, and uh, it's just it's just good. It's a good good principle-based thing, really simple to follow. Um, I think everyone should do it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> love that, how you broke that down and um, not just from the, you know, the paying yourself perspective, but the profit perspective and the dividend. That's, I really love that part of it as well. Um, and, and potentially if you have people that are invested in the company, you've got an employee share program or something, obviously you could pay them from that, um, you know, amount as well. So I really love that. It's um, really powerful. Um, and so, you know, we've got all these different accounts and and I'm the biggest one, right? Like I, I put money aside for tax. So, you know, we have like quarterly GST, like our 10% of school, uh-huh. like VAT tax, you know, in, in Europe and stuff like that, um, that we have to pay. And then obviously we have our end of year one. So um, you don't want to get to that quarter and then be like, oh, I need to find $10,000 or whatever right. the number is, <laughs> right? And then you're like trying to scrounge around money, whereas you just put it aside, right as you go it's so powerful and it feels so liberating that you're like okay i'm running this report i know this is how much i need each month as i'm getting a pass so when it comes across you're just like yep pay straight away um
1: yeah and the reason that it works so well too is because because you're doing it so often we recommend no more than once a week um but at least twice a month so whether you're doing it like every friday or twice a month It's a little bit amount that you're setting aside. You don't feel the hurt and you're able to make better decisions because that money is now not available for you to spend on expenses you didn't really need in the first place. So you don't feel the pain, not the same way like you described, like crap, I owe 10 grand. Where am I going to get $10,000 from? That hurts because you already spent it. (laughs) But this way you can kind of protect yourself of unnecessarily spending the money that again is obligated for other things.
0: Yeah, love that. And like, I know, like I use Zero, you know, the online accounting system. I know there's like, you know, QuickBooks and Myob, there's a few of those, which I'm sure you use and, um, you, you know, with your clients and you might have other systems that bolt onto those as well. Um, and I know in Australia, just so my sense is the thing is it's called the activity statement. I'm not sure if it's the same in the US, but it basically tells you, you know, what you've done in that particular period whether it's monthly, quarterly or whatever you got to pay and then like what your obligations are. So it's a very simple thing that you can run that report um, <clears throat> to be able to tell yourself um, what it is that you, you know, you know, on this weekly or fortnightly basis, right? Um, really powerful to be able to know that stuff. So I really love that. So then obviously, um, you know, where and does us folk, us go into like budgeting and forecasting now, right? Because, you know, we've got, we're sort of touching on it anyway with the cash flow, where you know you've got all these different buckets, these different you know where these different money are. Now, you know it's good having money there for your expenses, right? The thing is, is do you have enough and everything like that for what's coming up, right? Because that's the that's the <laughs> other key question. So, do you want to maybe talk a little bit about uh, those things as well? Totally.
1: Um, so, in my mind, there's a couple of ways people approach budgets. And um, the normal way is to take like the last 12 months of your expenses, you average it out and you say, okay, that's my budget. Cause that's what I spent over the last 12 months. Um, I think it might've been Brian Tracy in the U.S. Uh, maybe it's different in Australia, but uh, he's, he's the first one I heard this principle from. He calls it zero-based uh, uh, zero budgeting. So instead of starting with the idea of what's my average, Start with, you've spent nothing. What do you need to spend to be in business? And then you start adding those in. So rent expense, yeah, I have a location. I got to pay for that. Great. Team members, yep. Got a team member expense, uh, maybe. Um, So you add them in that way. And so that's one way to start looking at budgeting that's better than just historical average. I like the profit first system that I've talked about by having the separate accounts, because what you do is you come up with a percentage for these different accounts and by setting aside the money in it, you are effectively budgeting because you're saving money for obligations you know that you're going to have and should have, like paying yourself and unfortunately, again, paying taxes. No one loves that. It's stupid. But then now the money that's left over, you've basically given yourself a fake reality that you have less money to spend than you really do. And in in the sense, that's what budgeting is. So there's that one, there's that too. But then when we think about forecasting, forecasting isn't just saying, okay, if I'm here, what status quo down the road? A system like Profit First is handling that for you already. Forecasting comes in play when you say like, look, I'm trying to grow. Okay, what does growth look like? What am I trying to hit? Am I trying to add $100,000 of revenue this year? Okay, yes, I am. So in 12 months from now, or if we're in June, six months, seven months from now, I need hundred thousand dollars more in revenue. I'm going to write that down in the month of December. I like, I like to lay it out by month. So I have December now, I know the target I'm trying to hit and I backtrack into it. Okay. If I'm trying to add 100000 hundred thousand, is it realistic that I could spread that out over seven months? Well, there's probably gonna be a ramp up stage. With whatever I'm doing. So, probably not. It's probably going to be slower right now. And then I'll need to make sure that I'm uh, taking that into consideration for the further months. Or you could say, yeah, you know, uh, I think I actually work, the structure's solid. I think I can evenly add this revenue. But, okay, by adding that revenue, what additional burden do you now have as a company? You have to think about those steps as well. Do I need to hire more team members to service the additional revenue? Is there a software that I'm gonna purchase? Is there a manufacturing company that I need in place to help me with that? So are there upfront costs? Do I need a bigger building? Am I gonna need faster internet? Whatever it may be, as the business owner, you need to think through that process of, if I am $100,000 more in revenue, what do I need to do to service that revenue? And the reason we do that now on paper because if we don't do that because of parkinson's law as our income increases our expenses typically increase at the same pace if not faster than our income but if we spend the money on paper first and create a profitable plan first then we can see where we need to go and we control ourselves and kind of give ourselves some protection against Adding unnecessary expenses because you've thought about it ahead of time. Because guess what? I've done this with clients, and we got to the point where we realized you've added, you're going to add $100,000 of revenue, but based on what you need to do, you're also adding $100,000 of expenses. So, do you want more work and more headache for the same pay that you're making right now? And usually the answer is no, I don't. So then we go back to, okay, are you properly priced? Like maybe you need to charge more for the service if you are going to take on a hundred grand to support a hundred grand. And so maybe that comes into play and that fixes the problem. Or maybe we realize the service they're trying to give, maybe there's not actually a market for it. I, I mean, there's lots of different examples, but the benefit of forecasting it out on paper first is you can realize if this is the end result after thinking through all the expenses we're going to take on, is that worth it to me? Do I, am I, do I want that reward for the cost that I'm seeing that I'm going to have to put into this? Um, And if not, you just saved yourself six months of heartache. Uh, And if it is, it actually motivates. It's very motivating for the business owner to see, Oh my gosh, this is a great plan. And now as part of forecasting, you every month compare What did I do to what I planned that I had to do? And whatever the discrepancies are, it should trigger you to figure out how to fix any discrepancies, right? Like, oh, I didn't sell as much. Why didn't I sell as much? Oh, maybe my Facebook ads weren't as bad and official as I thought they were. So maybe I need to readdress my entire advertising budget that I took into consideration in the forecast. And again, If that then means after you adjust those numbers, you see, man, this isn't worth it that anymore. All you had was a month into it and you can cut it off instead of just spinning your wheels for six months and getting to the end and realizing you're exactly where you started.
0: Yeah, really awesome points there. I love that. And so so the power of um, forecasting and I love what you said there at the end about, you know, analyze yourself and you probably help, people with this is like, you know, don't just wait until later or just get to that point is have a target. Cause when we have a target, it's easy for us to know what we need to do. And then obviously have a plan, like you said, on what that target is like, okay. And and what are your, what are your numbers? Like how many marketing ads or how many phone calls do you need to have to get these extra clients? You know, how many more foot traffic, whatever it is in your business so then you can hit that, and then how do you adjust those numbers and and everything else and and, and employees, right? Or, or can you get contractors
1: in to help? Can, you know, right? You know, and then you you think about all that through before you even pull the trigger to make sure it works. Like it's great, because it's not like it's one thing to have like a business plan. It's another thing to have a growth plan. But a solid growth plan doesn't just involve here's a thing I want to offer. Here's the market demographics of who's going to buy it. You got to include the financial component of it because all those other things may be great, but no one should, I mean, we just, it needs to be worth your while. Like there has to be profit left over. It's literally the lifeblood of your business. If you don't have profit left over, then it doesn't make sense. I mean, I, um, I one of my mentors, he was talking about, um, this analysis he did for a client. And he said, look, guys, I think we need to fire our biggest client. And they're like, you're out of your mind. We're, our revenue would drop by 50%. Like our revenue may drop by 50%, but our net incomes get increased by 15%. Because I've done the analysis. Uh, he was the Lean Six Sigma guy. Um, and he's like, I've done all this analysis and it, we're literally paying more in resources and costs to service this client than what we're getting from them in fees. So unless you're willing to go to them and say, we need to increase your rates by like 40% or something, I can't remember the exact number, uh, we'll be better off financially and you'll all make more money because our net income is up if we fire this client. And you don't, by forecasting, you can actually see if you're running the risk of that happening before it even happens, uh, it's it's really powerful stuff.
0: Yeah, I love that. What an amazing story! Um, and you're right. And especially whether you're doing it for smaller businesses, whether you're doing it for bigger clients, before you you put in that you know quote or or whatever it is, like you know, understand your numbers. Is it going to be profitable um, in that way? Because yeah, we all, we all get into business you know, for leverage a lot of the time, right? We want to be able to take control of what we do. We also have a responsibility, like you said, people that want to work for us to be able to pay them, right? To give them jobs, right? So the numbers are so important because if we don't have the numbers and, you know, the same thing that happened to John in that previous company where, you know, he just lost his job very quickly because they didn't know how to do their numbers. Like that's, that's a big responsibility, um, you know, that we must all learn. Um, So, when, when you talk about the numbers with, you know, your clients and things like that, like, how does it work? Do you sort of give them a bit of knowledge about how to interpret their numbers and things like that as well? Like, like, how do you work with them? Do you want to just give a, just a general sense of sort of that relationship there?
1: Yeah. And it really depends on the client. I mean, um, we, I just don't believe in a one size fits all offering because we all have different needs. Um, but we certainly, we have some that just want reports from us. They do the own, their own analysis. We have others that ask us to analyze for them. I have others I meet with on a weekly basis. Uh, and we're just, they got a lot of moving parts and we're talking about a lot of different stuff. Um, but I mean, I would just say in general, if you're looking to hire an accountant, that is one of the benefits is that this is the world that we live in. Like, I, I don't know how to make widgets. I don't know how to outsource manufacturing or what the best process is there. Like, I don't know. And your accountant doesn't either. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But what they can help you do is understand the story, the numbers are telling them. And then they, they can help you see how you should be able to see the questions, the financial statements are asking of you like revenue dropped this month. Why did revenue drop? Well, the business owner is going to know the accountants, not all we're going to know is the question that should be that should be asked. Um, And a good accountant, if you're looking for that is super valuable. Uh, We in like I can tell you one of the things that we do with a lot of our clients, um, especially those who sign up for the cash flow coaching, we always have one one particularly dedicated session to just look at their expenses every single time, and I don't like using absolutes, but I'm telling you this is one, every single time, one of two statements is said by them, either uh, I thought I canceled that payment or I have no idea what that is. At least one of the two, most often both times, they're said, uh, that's the benefit of an accountant. Like that alone, I mean, for some of these size companies, like finding 10% of expenses that you don't even know that you're actually paying for or what they're doing or you thought you canceled, that's a big deal. 10% is a big deal. It doesn't matter what your revenue size is. 10% is a big deal. Um, and often we can help, we we can find that type of stuff within clients. And I'm telling you, what we're, we're doing it isn't magic per se. We just... We have that muscle trained in our awareness. Business owners can do this themselves. I would recommend anyone listening to this, look at the last month of expenses. I guarantee you're going to find at least one expense in there that you're like, yeah, I can cut that. I'm not, I'm not going to, other than having more bank, more money in my bank account, I'm not going to notice anything from cutting this. At least one. Um, Anyone can do that. Uh, But yeah, so anyways, I, I don't know if that answered your question, but accountants can help you find the right questions to ask but only you'll know the, the answer to that question
0: yeah i love that Now, great great answers and this really shows the importance of having external people right and you mentioned you had a mentor before right you know and coaches and mentors can be that accountants another term you know an advisor right that's an outside source because when we're in the business as the business owner it's, we've sort of, we we've got the blinkers on, like, you know, we're going down the tunnel and we're like, yeah, yeah, we're just doing our thing. And you're like, have you thought of this? And you're like, no, I haven't thought of that actually. Or, oh yeah. Sounds thanks. brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. You know, it's, that's the power of it. Right. Um, in, in whatever it is, right. Whether it's just general business or like numbers, especially, um, you know, is the, you know, one of the most important things um, in there. So, I really love that, you, you know, you broke that down and, you know, for, for everyone here, simple. If you just want to do it yourself, run your profit and loss report, look at your expenses, right? Drill down into them um, in there. It's, it's not that hard if you've got an accounting system, but the question is, is are you looking at and asking yourself the right questions or do you need someone like John to go, Hey, John, you know, what do you think about this? And then, you know, he can start getting some things out of you and, and giving you some other strategies that, you know, really going to take you to that next level. Um, so, you, I know you, you've got like the most amount of gyms in the US, right? You know, as your clients, which is amazing. That's a that's a massive feat, and uh, obviously own one as well. So that would work well together in understanding them. So, um, what's the difference about gyms and their cash flow and everything like that as well? If you want to just talk a bit about that,
1: um, <laughs> gyms are unique from an operation standpoint. I've never experienced a scenario where so many clients think they know how to do your job as well as you do. Like I was never exposed to that as a CPA and accountant. I never had a client who's like, Hey, you know, have you ever thought about running your business this way? Um, but so we focus a lot on really small size gyms. So we either call them micro gyms or boutique studios. So we're not talking about, um, Gold's gym or 24 hour fitness or planet fitness. Those are, we call those global gyms. Um, we can certainly help them, but the majority of our clients are the small guys. And so they have one of the values they add is they have a very tight relationship with their members. Uh, And so they're constantly getting bombarded by their members on what they should be doing better at the gym to make the gym better. And sometimes, a lot of times that results in the business owner with who it does not have a plan going to buy some unnecessary equipment just because one member thought it was a good idea or they're going to do an event and spend money on that trying to put it on and two people show up Uh, so we found uh, i I kind of call it shiny object syndrome i know all business owners are suspect to this i certainly am Um, but for some reason with gym owners it just seems more pronounced because they have this constant bombardment of clients telling them how they should run their business better, (laughs) Uh, which is absurd, right? I mean, they have zero fitness experience. That's why they're coming to you to figure out how to exercise properly. But because it's not complicated and most of the time there's not certifications required or additional schooling, uh, anyone can be a gym owner type of thing. They just feel like they know better and yeah, you should do it this way. So um, we found that without a plan, uh, these guys make a lot of bad decisions
0: yeah love that um and one thing that i'll like just point out to people right is that like if you're buying equipment and stuff for gyms there's obviously like can you afford to buy these things outright do you finance them right so there's different options which can help for your cash flow purposes and there's probably some things about depreciation in there because it's an asset, right, in that. So whether or not you know these words, but this is someone like John is the accountant, right, will go into that, okay, okay. Do you really need these machines? Okay, if you do need this, if you're doing a new fit-out, you're bringing in your equipment, what's the best way to do it that's not going to break the bank and, and make you go under? Um, and, and what's the best tax benefit way um, of doing it too? Um, that's just yeah. from my knowledge, but yeah.
1: And so with Profit First, we actually add a, an additional account we have gym owners do, which is equipment. So we recommend they're just stocking away some money every single month into that account so that when they actually do need to buy new equipment, and it is a good decision to do that, the cash is already there to do it. Yeah, love that. Awesome system there.
0: Um, so obviously, you, you've got your book, right, on cash flow management. So
1: how did that come about and, and, you know, to make that happen? Yeah. Um, so the original book, Profit First, was written by Mike Michalowicz. And um, I'm a mastery level profit first professional. And in one of our meetings, he said, hey, we've noticed that there might be a demand for us to have specialized profit first books. So if you feel like you're you've changed the system for the audience that you're serving, let me know, and you may be eligible to write a book on it. And so I told him like, yeah, we're constantly changing the system because gym owners have the equipment issue. Uh, Team members is typically their largest expense or rent is, but it's one of their two largest expenses. So they should handle how they pay their coaches differently than um, maybe another business should. And the percentages uh, that are suggested on how much to put into owners pay and how much to put into tax, we always seem to be changing those. So um, he said, perfect. Makes sense. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's, let's write the book. So I wrote Profit First for Microgyms. So it's the cash flow system that Mike McCallough created, but specifically um, customized for gym owners.
0: Yeah. Cool. Awesome. That's very powerful because, you know, niching in that type of way, like you said, um, you know, really goes down to what are the key challenges of, you know, the gyms um, and then put them into the best way. And, and that would be, I guess, not only being an authority by having the book, but that would be a key reason why you have the most gyms in in the U S right. Because you've got a specific system that works for them and that keeps them in business as well.
1: Same time. Yeah. It has definitely helped with our uh, authority in the space.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's awesome. That's, you um, know, that's what I talk about. People with branding, right? In general, right? Like authority, author is in authority, right? Like you know, it's 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 in yeah. the, the same word. So, um, having a book on that can definitely help you to to stand out and um, you know get get your message out there and everything like that. So, um, I guess um, you know you mentioned a little bit before um, about your, one of your mentors and things like that. So I just wanted to, you know, cause some people are like, oh, I don't know about coaching and mentoring and things like that. Right. So I'd love to hear how important coaching and mentoring has been for you in business and what it's helped you to achieve.
1: I mean, I, I, there's no way I would be where I'm at today without the many mentors that I've had in my life. And, uh, I encourage everybody to figure out where are you at now? What do you feel like your biggest stumbling block is? Find a mentor that you have confidence has overcome that stumbling block because they will walk you through it. As you mentioned, as owners, we do, we get stuck in this tunnel. I have an idea for my company and this is the direction we're going. And then someone can come in from a third party without the emotional baggage that we're carrying as the owner. Cause we made the decision to where we're at and they come in with fresh eyes and just say, have you considered this have you thought about this and you're like holy cow that's a great idea or no I hadn't um, or maybe they see a pitfall that your current path is taking you down because they already experienced it that's the benefit of a mentor they uh, they've been a mentor's been where you want to go right uh, and so they're ahead of you on the path and I I also encourage everyone look, I've outgrown mentors and you will too. Like once I got over the roadblock that was in my way, Hey, thank you, mentor. They got compensated for it. Right. We agreed it. We had a business relationship and now what's my next stumbling block. Okay. That mentor, maybe not be able to help me with that. So let's find someone else who can. And so I have had mentors all along the way who based on what I needed to work on, that was the mentor I chose to work with. But I would say over the last 10 years, I've consistently had at least one that I'm working with based on whatever the issue is that I'm trying to get past. And I'd rather pay someone to help me see the light than spend the years of turmoil and frustration, like not figuring it out. And then finally getting it like, well, let's just, let's accelerate this and move on faster. And it's been a, it's been an approach that's worked out well for me.
0: Yeah. I love that. So true. I completely agree with all that. It's I have multiple coaches and mentors, and um, yeah, they just help you in any which way. And and you know that, that opens up to a specific sense where you're talking about you know I mentioned mentioning like your cash flow coaching, mentoring stuff that you do as well, right? Which is part of you know your area there. So who are, who are the people that have that knowledge and invest the money in them because. That money is going to like tenfold either save you a lot of money down the line or it's going to make you a lot more money a lot more quicker or get you to where you want to be quicker because time is the only thing that is a certain amount. We all have the same amount, right? So, do you want to be at a particular place in 10 years or do you want to get there in three years, right? As an example, um, so then you can spend more time with your family, you know, enjoy your business more, um, you're not just like, running the wheels, you actually have a, have a good profitable business that you enjoy being at and only have to work eight hours a day, not 16 hours a day. And, and all of those things as well, where, you know, we yeah. Have-
1: and to have that freedom, you got to have profitability. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely um, doesn't work without the numbers. So I love that. So um, I guess just finally, what one key piece of advice would you give uh, to entrepreneurs listening today?
1: Um, You know, I, just a word of encouragement. I, in the U.S. and I'm imagining Australia is the same way in every other country. Uh, small business is actually the backbone of most economies. I know that the big, large conglomerate companies and the you know the Forbes Fortune 100, they get a lot of press. These gigantic companies who raise billions of dollars for funding, they get a lot of press because it's sexy and the media wants to talk about them. But the reality is. Small business is carrying the load. We employ more people collectively as small business owners than these other people. And you got into business for a reason because you're passionate about it. And if you can carry that passion out, what you end up creating is a vehicle that also provides an amazing life for other people. And you make the world a better place. So with my message of cash flow and profitability. The truth is I'm sharing this message because I want all owners to know that they deserve to be profitable. Because if you aren't profitable, I'm telling you at some point, you are going to burn out. And when you burn out, that means we we refer to it as a flame. That's why we use the phrase burn out, because that passion that you had is now gone. It's not just burnt out for you, but it's gone out of the world. And I think small business owners make the world a better place. So I encourage everyone to find profitability, stay in business, because as you have more profitability, there's no reason to get out of the the game uh, because everything's working out. And like you said, you could accomplish that great work-life balance, working eight hours instead of 16, maybe only working a couple of days a week. You can't do that without profitability and without profitability, you will eventually burn out. So stay in business, you guys are superheroes. Like, let's keep keep the world turning, keep the economies going, stay in business.
0: Yeah, love that. So so amazing that last point. So. We connected through our networks where I learned about your awesome journey to help entrepreneurs from being burnt out to understanding their numbers well, um, so they make informed business decisions. Um, You know, your mission is is very needed in business, so I'm sure you will succeed in achieving it. Uh, You know, you're an awesome guy, and I'm sure you continue to make a big difference in the world as well, so I'm very grateful that we connected, and I look forward to working with you in the future. So how can people find
1: you and get in contact with you, John? So our website is insighttax.com and that's, uh, like to insight means to cause to action. So it's I N C I T E T A X insighttax.com. Um, we have great blogs. Obviously we talk a lot about the U S tax system, but we also talk as much about cash flow in general and understanding statements. So a lot of free resources on our website. Um, and if, in fact, if you're looking to, uh, Analyze your expenses. If you felt like, you know what, I could look at my last month of statements. If you go to insighttax.com backslash wealth, we do have um, in one of my chapters, I lay out nine questions that you can ask about each expense. So that you're thoroughly analyzing, is this something I need to keep? Um, we've provided that as a free resource on insighttax.com backslash wealth.
0: Love that. Awesome stuff there and amazing value that John's giving to everyone. So definitely go check out Inside Tax. There's so many amazing things there. So thank you everyone for watching, Listen to this show where we talk about everything on business growth. Please like, subscribe and leave us a five-star review. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube as Ethan Cassiotis or visit my website, athancassiotis.com. I completely agree with you or do I? The only way we you know is if you tune in next time. So until next time, remember that our business grows when we learn skills and take action using them in spite of fear. Have a great day.